Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Now, I trust you know what you're doing this week. We need to be clear as to why we're doing it. Why are you spending this time seeking God, meeting with God, wanting to draw nearer to God? Well, we could say, well, the Lord has been talking to us these past months about breakthrough and breakout. So we're seeking the Lord for breakthrough in our lives so that his life will break out. Uh, But why do you want a breakthrough in your life? If God gives you a breakthrough, what are you going to do with it? I mean, what does it mean to have a breakthrough? What are we actually aiming at. You can't score a goal if you don't aim at the goal. Listen to some words of Jesus. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. God has seasons in his purposes. There are seasons of harvest. And what Jesus was actually saying to the disciples, look at the world around you, you will see that the fields are ripe. They're ready for harvest. But what he was saying was the harvest isn't yet taking place. And of course the harvest wouldn't take place until after Pentecost. Now, what happens during a time of harvest? talk to any farmer and he would tell you that when it's time for harvest, the farmer works day and also night. He'll even be reaping with his tractor by uh, headlights. It's essential to get all the grain in while it's ripe. 
So when the Spirit came at the time of Pentecost, the first day, the harvest began. 3,000 came to the Lord. Now, a few hundred people had come to the Lord during the ministry of Jesus. But there'd never been a harvest like that which happened on the day of Pentecost. And then, of course, there were 5,000. And then they were turning the whole city upside down. And then, of course, the whole kingdom of God was spread within a short period of time, really, within a few years, all the way around the Mediterranean coast. So, all that God was doing, or all that Jesus was doing in the lives of his disciples during the three, three and a half years that he was with them, was preparing them for harvest. The first time I went and ministered to in some of the um, revival churches in Argentina, the first church I ministered in was uh, at that time about 150,000, which is quite a large church bigger than most churches. Uh, and um, they, they actually only had three full-time workers. But all their leaders and workers were living on three hours sleep every night, seven days a week. And I said to the pastor, don't you think that um, this is going to lead to burnout in the lives? I mean, I, I was used to living on four and a half hours sleep. I'd done that for years and years and years, but three hours was somewhat more radical than that. And his answer to me was, this is harvest time. We have an open heaven. We see a thousand people coming to the Lord every week in our main congregation. But we don't know how long the harvest time will last. So while the harvest, while it is harvest time, we will work day and night to bring in the harvest. Now, you see, that is why revival was happening there. God never sends revival because his people want to be revived, but because they want to reap a harvest. And they realize that the season will not change from a season of blessing such as we're enjoying now to a season of harvest 
without God initiating that season because of what he is doing in the people who become revived. You see, the harvest isn't the revival. The harvest is the result of the people that have been revived. But they have been revived because of the motive that they had. Their objective was not personal blessing or personal breakthrough, but harvest. As long as we are seeking the Lord just for personal breakthrough and personal blessing, we are going to be disappointed by the results. But as soon as our motive becomes our deep desire, not just some superficial wish, but our deep desire for harvest so that we will see thousands, not a trickle, but thousands, coming into the kingdom of God within a short period of time. And that we are therefore ready to be the laborers for that harvest. And when revival comes, you will be working for the Lord day and night, half the night anyway. But that won't be difficult. It won't be something that you will find challenging because of what God will have done in your heart. Now, what we need to do this morning is to pick up from where we left off yesterday morning. You remember right at the end when we were praying, I said that you have within you all those who potentially God is going to reach through your life and ministry. Now, you cannot know what form that is going to take in the future because God leads us step by step into his unfolding purposes. But if you are just seeking the Lord for yourself, for a personal breakthrough, then you need to change your attitude this morning because you're actually doing something that ultimately will be self-defeating. You see, everything that God does, as you've heard me say often, has a so that. Why does he want us to have personal breakthrough so that we will see a season of harvest that suddenly the season will change? I don't know too much about farming, but I do know that a farmer will go into the field and he would just take in his hands some ears of corn of whatever kind 
wheat or barley or so on, so on. And he rubs it in his fingers. He's testing it. Is it ripe? Or is it not yet quite ripe? And if it's not yet quite ripe, he will leave it. But as soon as it is ripe, it's all action. Day and night. He will get the harvest in. Unless the weather changes and ruins the harvest or whatever, whatever. But it has to be gathered in immediately. It's all action. We need, in this nation and in all the nations of the world, we need a season of harvest. And as far as I know, nowhere in this nation or in Europe really is a harvest taking place. You hear of some churches having a move of the Spirit and you, see, you hear of blessing and you hear of growth, but not the kind of multiplication that God does during a time of harvest. You've heard me say that we've had periods of time in the history of kingdom of faith when if we saw less than 100 people come to the Lord in a meeting, we would have considered it a poor meeting, really, because we were used to seeing 100 or more come to the Lord day by day, meeting after meeting. That's harvest. At present, you wouldn't get 100 unsaved people to a meeting. But it was because of what God was doing at that time that there was so much interest, God, so many people that didn't know the Lord were being stirred by what was happening in the lives of those who did know the Lord or those who were coming to the Lord. That there was this hunger. It was a harvest season that lasted for a few years. And although we've seen seasons of blessing since then, we haven't seen a harvest like that. But I don't want to get back to that harvest time because I believe God has an even greater harvest ahead of us than anything we've seen in the past. It's a different time, a different season. The world, I believe, is in an even worse situation than it was back then in, in the days when those things were happening. And you know, the darker the things in the world, the more effect the light has upon the darkness. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So God wants that light to be shining out of our lives, out of the lives of all those in whom he is going to create breakthrough. So you see, if you are seeking the Lord for a personal breakthrough for yourself, you haven't quite understood the purpose of God. 
that his purpose is that you have a personal breakthrough so that you become a harvester. So that you become someone who participates in the harvest. On another occasion, Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out reapers into the harvest. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody will have the same kind of ministry in the time of revival. But you see, it's what God is doing corporately that produces the harvest. So in that church that I mentioned in Argentina, and that was just one of the churches that was experiencing phenomenal growth at that time. It was what God was doing in the church corporately. You see, what was, what was happening is that everybody that was getting saved was coming back with other unsaved people. In other words, they were immediately becoming witnesses, even evangelists, the moment they were saved. In fact, they had a sort of unwritten rule in that church that the day you were saved, you were not allowed to go to bed until you'd witnessed and brought somebody else to the Lord. Well, if you get that kind of spirit moving in the church, you can see why there's going to be growth. I mean, they were having services from 7 o'clock in the morning till midnight, seven days a week. And people queuing up to come into the next service while the previous one was finishing. But at every service, you see, they were reaping. Well, God might not do that here. It's highly unlikely because he doesn't repeat what he does in other places. He will have his way of gathering in the harvest in Horsham and Worthing and Crawley and Burgess Hill and the 25-mile radius and beyond. But we will probably see an explosion of the number of congregations we have. That whereas, you know, we've planted uh, a new congregation every now and again, and it's taken some time to do that, even the one in Burgess Hill we've been preparing for several months. But in harvest time, we will see new congregations breaking out all over the 25-mile radius within a short period of time because of the dynamic of what God is doing. And those churches will grow very quickly because it's harvest time. So God is preparing the hearts and lives of harvesters. But you see, <coughs> what he's been saying to us, and not just to us, but this is something I think is felt generally among, all over the nation at present by people that are really in the forefront of, of wanting to see the Holy Spirit move in the lives of their churches. There is this expectation that we are coming to a season of great blessing where God is going to move in a new way, in a different way, in a greater way than we see happening at present. In other words, the season is going to change. 
And I believe you see that what God has been saying to us through this word about breakthrough and breakout is to prepare us for the harvest season. Now, that time of preparation isn't going to go on and on and on and on. I believe that what God wants as a result of these 21 days, these three weeks of seeking after him, is to begin the harvest. That this year we see the first fruits of the harvest. That even after these three weeks, we will have evidence that the season of harvest has begun. And that we see a reaping such as we haven't seen for many, many years. That doesn't come by us just praying for the harvest. It comes because we have a passion within our hearts to see people saved, to see people come out of darkness into light, that our hearts are not full of judgment upon those that are living in sin and in ways that really grieve the Lord, but our hearts are full of love and compassion for them because they are lost souls, because Satan is their father, because they have no hope of eternal life without Jesus Christ. So you see, God began with us on Monday evening by reminding us that our attitude had to be the same as that of Jesus, Christ Jesus, who counted himself nothing. Now, if we count ourselves nothing, we're not seeking the Lord for ourselves. We're not seeking the Lord for selfish ambition or selfish motives. But we're seeking the Lord for the outworking of his purposes. As I said yesterday, you see, when Jesus teaches people to pray, he says, right, you begin by praying to Father, the Father in heaven, the Holy One whom you praise. And the heart of his prayer, if you like, the most significant part of his prayer is let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before ever Jesus tells people to pray for the forgiveness and the provision of bread and everything else that they need personally, get the motivation right. Why does God want to forgive sin? Why does he want to give you your daily bread? Why does he want to save you and protect you from evil because your whole motivation is to see the kingdom come and the will of God done on earth, not just in your life, but on earth as it is in heaven. You have this wide, this large perspective. You don't see God's purpose just through your own personal little life but you see that God has made you part of something that is so much bigger than yourself. 
And yet, you are significant in that purpose. Otherwise, God would not have called you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have chosen you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put you into Christ. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought you here among a people that are ready to really seek God and to meet with him and to have personal breakthrough. Yes, you see, we need the personal breakthrough so that we can fulfill our part personally, but also corporately in fulfilling God's purpose that his kingdom will come, his will will be done on earth as in heaven, that God can actually initiate the season of harvest. You see, when there's a harvest time, everything seems so simple. It it seems so easy. It's not difficult to see 100 people come to the Lord a day. It's It's not difficult at all. It's because of what God is doing. It's no more difficult to see 100 than to see one person. Because ultimately, only God can save people. Only the Holy Spirit can bring them under conviction of sin. Only the Holy Spirit can cause somebody to be born again. So as from our perspective, it's, it's no more difficult. There might be more work involved because you've then got to disciple 100 people instead of one. But I mean, you know, that's in evangelistic situations. If you're realistic within uh, the church as it is at, at the present time. I mean, we might see initially, say, 100 people coming to the Lord a month. And when we've learned how to handle that, then we'll probably see 500 coming to the Lord a month. I mean, if we don't have this kind of faith perspective, what are we doing? We're not saying, well, praise the Lord, we see five coming to a month. If we have breakthrough, we'll see 20 coming to the Lord. No, 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 no. That's not breakout. God's much bigger than that. I mean, how big is the God that we believe in? What is he able to do? Let's look at just one aspect of what is involved in seeing harvest. Because when there's harvest, there's not just a great number of people coming into the kingdom of God, but we see the power of the kingdom. We see so many miracles and healings taking place. And again, so readily, so easily, so quickly. There are great challenges at present because there are so many amongst us that are actually facing healing challenges at present. We need to pray for Kevin this morning because he's the latest that is having a a real healing challenge at this time. And we see a measure of healing taking place. We have Thanksgiving cards nearly every Sunday that speak of a miracle here and a miracle there. 
But again, that's not the kind of fruit that comes in harvest time. So we're going to see a lot more of that supernatural activity of God. But you see, the same, the same principle is true of healing as it is of harvest. Some of you have been writing essays about the great healing evangelists of the 1950s and 60s, especially in America, because there's so much to be learned from what God was doing in and among those people. It actually changed the spiritual dynamic of what God was doing in the States, and that had a repercussive effect upon other nations as well, including this one, to a certain extent. And you see, these guys, these guys were seeing so many people healed, so, so many great miracles happening, day by day by day. And as a result, so many coming into the kingdom of God. The same as with Jesus. I mean, Jesus did not preach the gospel of the kingdom without expecting to see signs following. And healing is not a subject that is to be divorced from the preaching of the gospel. So often Christians are trying to get healed out of context. The time when you really see healing happening is when the gospel has been preached and God is confirming his word. I've only actually ever heard personally one of those great healing evangelists speak, and that was Oral Roberts in about 1971, I would think. And I remember one thing in particular that he said. He said, if ever you are sick, the first thing you need to do is to get hold of a piece of paper and write down on it every sick person that you know and then spend time every day praying for their healing. What was he saying? You reap what you sow. If you want to reap, you sow first. And you see, it's the same thing. If you just seek healing for yourself because you're sick, because you have a need... There is something intrinsically selfish about that. And the very thing that God is wanting to get rid of in our lives is selfishness, including spiritual selfishness. That actually we are called to live for one another, to love one another as he has loved us. So just as we will we will see the breakthrough and the breakout that God wants when our motivation is for all those that will be blessed as a result, the fruit that will come from the, from the revival, the harvest that will result. So even in the whole matter of healing and, and of seeing the power of God, that it's not something selfish that we want to see for ourselves. I need some healing at this at this moment in my life, and several of others in the room, I'm sure, are in the same category. But I know that what God is saying to me through, through all this is don't seek your healing, 
seek the healing that is needed all around you. Yes, I want to be healed, but I'm praying every day for a whole number of other people who need to be healed. You see, the point is that this is what it means to be part of a body. You see, if one part of the body is hurting, it affects the whole, the whole body. My, my problem is, is, is in the shoulder. It's been diagnosed that there's some arthritis in the shoulder and that, of course, means that all kinds of things. But it's exceedingly painful, especially at night. It affects the whole of my body because if I can't sleep properly, that makes the rest of life a challenge. In other words, one part of the body can hurt, but it has an effect upon the whole body. But you see, the same is true in the body of Christ. If there's one person that's sick, it's affecting the whole body. It's the responsibility of the whole body. We have a responsibility for Kevin to pray for Kevin because he is in hospital this morning. Why? Because he's part of you. You're part of him. We belong to each other, the scripture says. You see, we can't, we can't look at our circumstances from a selfish point of view if we really understand the purposes of God and what it is to love one another as he has loved us. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who not only counted himself nothing and took the form of a servant, but also was prepared to sacrifice himself on the cross. Now let me ask you this question. When Jesus surrendered his body to be crucified, did he have any selfish motive? You see, I believe that the conflict that he experienced in Gethsemane is actually recorded for us in Scripture so that we understand that when Jesus went to the cross, there was absolutely no selfish motive involved. He did it out of obedience to the Father because it was the will of his Father, not my will but your be done but he did it on behalf of all those who would be saved because of his sacrifice. There was nothing selfish in it. If you like, it was probably the most perfectly selfless action that anybody has done in humanity. Completely selfless. The one who had no sin became sin that we could be delivered from the consequences of sin. Totally, utterly selfless. And then he teaches us that we are to love one another as he has loved us. To love one another in a selfless way. That if one suffers, we all suffer. 
If one is in need, we're all in need. If one is blessed, we're all blessed. We don't, we don't sort of look with jealousy or envy at somebody that is prospering and getting blessed by the Lord because if they're part of the body, the whole body is being blessed through what God is doing in that individual. It's getting out of this evangelical mindset of thinking that personal salvation is the purpose of God. No, no. Harvest is the purpose of God. And he saves us personally that we may participate in the harvest. That our lives will become fruitful. That we will bear much fruit. So God's purpose for your life is not simply to save you, but you are saved to fulfill the purpose of God in this life and then to enjoy your heavenly reward. So I said yesterday, or perhaps it was on Monday evening, I can't remember, that one of the things that God therefore has to do in us as we, as we seek him as we desire to meet with him, is to confront us with every selfish attitude. You see, while there are selfish attitudes, we do not count ourselves as nothing. We are still serving self rather than the Lord. But the scripture is very clear, we have died, died to self, and our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. So, Lord, deliver me from every selfish attitude from living for myself, for even seeking you simply for a personal breakthrough because I want to have a richer relationship with you and encounter with you. Nothing wrong with wanting that so long as you then go on to say, so that you can take hold of my life and use me for your glory in whichever way you choose so that I can be part of the reaping of the harvest. But of course, before we can reap the harvest, rather than just have a little bit of gleaning here and there, the season has to change. So God needs a whole people not just the odd individual here and there, but a whole people who corporately are living for the harvest.
Imagine, you come before the Lord at the end of your life on the day of judgment. When you will see yourself as God sees you, when all those things of self that perhaps you haven't been conscious of will suddenly flash before you. But at that time, you will know the reward that God has prepared for you. Already prepared because, of course, he's aware of the fruitfulness of your life. Jesus taught about the sheep and the goats. The sheep had been busy. But they'd been busy not in serving themselves, not in living for themselves, not in seeking blessing for themselves, but in the way that they were living and serving others. And then there were the goats who hadn't lived like that. And the reward for the sheep and the goats was completely different. But Jesus set forth in that teaching this principle that whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And when it came to the goats, whatever you don't do for the least of these, you don't do for me. The least of these are all those people out there living in darkness, living in fear, living in bondage. It's not just the other saints that are around you that we're called to love and serve. What's God going to say to you on that day? Or what do you, I mean, you probably won't even have to say it, you'll see it suddenly as clear as daylight. How much you had lived for yourself and how much you'd lived for others. What selfish ambition there'd been. Jesus actually said that those with selfish ambition will not inherit the kingdom of God. I believe it's possible even to have selfish spiritual ambition. So God is giving us this word this morning so that we get our motivation right so we know why we're doing what we're doing. That we're doing it with the right heart attitude, we're doing it with the right motivation because that's the only way that actually we will see harvest. That's the only way we will see the true breakthrough and the true breakout that God wants to produce among his people.
The difficult thing is, you see, you don't know what it's going to look like in the future. But even last night, God was speaking to us, wasn't he, about making sure our hearts were prepared, but also our bodies were offered to the Lord, presented to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, acceptable to him. Because, you see, without your body, God can't do anything. God can't produce fruit in your life without your body. You can't speak without your body. You can't love without your body. You can't serve without your body. So it's not a question of, well, I've given my heart to Jesus. Okay, fine. That's, that's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. But it's an incomplete thing if you can't say, I've given my heart and body to the Lord. Because the fruit is not going to come out of a heart that is given to him, but out of a body that is given to him. Are we understanding this? So the scripture says, glorify God in your body. Not just in your heart. So everything, you are not your own, you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. He purchased your body. He didn't just purchase your heart. He came to live in your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So your body is to be used for the Lord. It's through what he does with your body that you are going to bear fruit. Amen? So, Lord, I'm your spirit, soul, and body. I can't belong to myself and belong to you. And you've paid the price for me, so I belong to you. Hallelujah. So this is freedom. You see, what is freedom? Freedom is being free to do the will of God. Being set free from things that are counterproductive to the will of God, but that, that isn't, that isn't the, the, the whole story about freedom. It's then being free to do what God wants us to do. Being free to fulfill his will and purpose. So those of you that have been through freedom or those of you that are going to go through freedom this, this term because the first years will be going through freedom if you haven't discovered that already. Uh, But the point is we're all going to go through freedom. <laughs> not, not just the freedom course. But you see, God is freeing us for the harvest. 
And he's saying, look, there's going, there's going to be cost. The, the farmer has to face the cost of getting in the harvest. Those guys I talked about in, in Argentina. I don't know if I've ever told you about the guy not in Argentina, but in Montevideo, in Uruguay. Because I, I was on an, on, this was on another visit to Argentina. I was speaking in the church at a series of meetings, and then there was a gap of a weekend, and then I was to speak at the leaders' conference for this church. They had 10,000 leaders. That was the church's leaders' conference. It wasn't an open conference to others. It was the church's leading conference for all their congregations and those that they'd planted out. That's quite a good size for your church's leaders' conference. But there was this weekend in between, and the pastor said to me, we've just planted this church. There's a young pastor there. Uh, he's... He's only been going for six weeks, so he only has about 600 people. But would you mind going there for the weekend just to give him some encouragement? I thought, well, if he's seen 600 in about six weeks, I don't know what encouragement he needs. <laughs> but I said, yes, yeah, sure, okay, I'll go. So I, I catch a plane and and met by this young pastor, all hale and hearty. And uh, he says to me, so I said, you know, I hear the church has only been going a few weeks, and, and that you, but you already have a few hundred people. He said, yes, I haven't been to bed for six weeks. He said, I haven't had any sleep for six weeks. And I sort of did a double take, and he explained to me what his day was like. That he, he, six o'clock, because all these pastors are, you know, I said in, in that big church, all the pastors had full-time jobs to support their families. They didn't look to the church to support them. All the money of the church was, was spent really in evangelism. So <clears throat> the, um, uh, th this guy, he had a quick shower and so on at six o'clock in the morning. Then he was off to work. Uh, at the end of his day, he then uh, had the evening meetings every day in his church. Then after that, he had a radio broadcast that went from something like 10 o'clock at night. It's a, in South America, the, uh, it's a very nocturnal society. People are, there's almost as much activity at night as there is during the day. So from about, I don't know, 10 or 11 at night, something like that, until about 5 o'clock in the morning or, or 4 o'clock in the morning, he had this radio program. He came out of the radio station and there would be a queue of people outside waiting for him to minister to them because of what they'd heard on the radio. So he would then be praying for them and ministering to them. That gave him just time to go home and have a shower before he went to work. Now, 
obviously that's the grace of God. The anointing was sustaining him because that's totally supernatural. He actually came to that leaders conference. And I saw him there. And uh, I said to him, have you had any sleep since I was there? And he says, yes, praise God, I had two hours sleep. <laughs> so, so I said, when? So he said, well, somebody else drove me here and I had two hours sleep in the car. <laughs> that, I think you could probably say, is someone who's sold out for the kingdom of God. All right, that's something extraordinary. But you see, what was he experiencing? Harvest. 600 in the first six weeks of a church's existence. He's planting a church in harvest time. Come the harvest in this country, things like that will be happening. Not necessarily 600 in six weeks. But church is growing very quickly. And not with superficial growth either. Because in times of harvest, there is deep repentance and life transformation in those who come to the Lord. Nothing superficial. Why? Because there's nothing superficial in the lives that God has revived in order to prepare them for the harvest. But if you read about revivals, even if you read about, well, the last revival of, of significance that happened in, in, uh, in the British Isles was the Hebridean revival, the Scottish revival in the 1950s. But you, you read about what happened then, you see, and the Spirit of God is moving all the time and, and people are just coming to the Lord, not just at meetings, but there's something about the presence of God and the intensity of, of, of the power of God that is at work in the society. There, there's some books in the library about that revival. Read them and, and, and just get a flavor. So, I mean, things wouldn't have been happening on the scale that they were happening in, that I've been describing in South America. But... The same principle was at work. That those that God was using were going day and night. Why, why, you know, why was I living on four hours sleep? Because I didn't have any other time to sleep, basically. There's no virtue in that. I'm not claiming any virtue for that because I realized that God sustained me during that and made it possible. But if we are seeking the Lord with selfish motives because we want personal breakthrough just for ourselves, then let's be sure that we kick that attitude into touch this morning so that it no longer plays any part in our seeking after God. No, no. The Lord is saying to us through this scripture, see, look, 
the fields are white and ready for harvest. It's no use criticizing the world and what is happening in the world and the values of the world. Because God is saying you can look with negative attitudes on the world. And if you do that, you do not see a harvest field. All you see is darkness. But Jesus says, no, the harvest fields are white. They're not dark. They're white. They're ready for harvest. God wants a people that are carrying within them the lost, the afflicted, those caught up in addiction, in trafficking, in pornography. in every area of society where there's darkness, carrying within them a fervency to see the Lord send harvesters into all these areas where there are people that are not only lost, but are having such a detrimental effect upon many other people around them. It's got to be. Harvest. There's got to be change. There's got to be transformation. And it doesn't mean that you or I will be able to go into all those areas and be able to affect all those people. But you see, God in his wonderful planning and purpose, he lays certain burdens upon individual believers to have a care and a concern and a compassion for different people in different circumstances. And yes, they will pray for the, to be released and harvest among those particular kinds of people, but at the same time, he will also be sending people. And you see, of course, in Isaiah chapter 6, when the prophet meets with the Lord in his holiness and in his glory, he has this revelation of the glory of God. And what does he hear? He hears God saying, who will go for us? Who will we send? In other words, God was saying, Isaiah, I haven't given you this wonderful experience of the glory of God so that you can write it down and have people read about it for hundreds and thousands of years afterwards and see what a great guy you were because I gave you such a wonderful experience. No, no, no. Whatever God does, there's always a so that. Why did he give that revelation of his glory to to Isaiah, so that he could ask the question, who will go? And in that atmosphere, environment of the glory of God upon him, Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. I will go for you. He didn't know what it was going to cost him. It's like those first disciples that Jesus says, come follow me. 
He didn't give them a description of their future ministry. He didn't say, well, look, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. What do you think about it? Are you ready for that? Are you up for that? He didn't give them a job description. He said, come follow me. And I will make you what? Fishers of men. You will have harvest. Because he wasn't talking. I mean, these guys, you know, they were fishermen, many of them, weren't they? I'm going to make you fishers of men. He wasn't talking about rod and line and hooking the occasional fish. Those guys fished with nets. They knew what it was to gather a whole shoal of fish. They also knew how to catch nothing. But they were net fishermen. They weren't just throwing a hook in and reeling in the odd fish. God wants us to be casting the net. Amen. He wants, he wants the church to be a combine harvester. I, I think, you know, probably if Jesus was preaching today, there'd be a parable about the combine har- harvester, don't you? Because that not only reaps, but it processes. And uh, that's, a, well, that's another sermon in itself. But praise God. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what it's going to cost. But you see, God is so great that when we meet with him as he is, we couldn't care less about the cost because his will is so much greater and more important than any selfish motives and desires of our own. Now, last of all... What does Jesus say? Seek first my kingdom, not your personal breakthrough. Seek first the kingdom. Everything else will be added to you, including your personal breakthrough. Including the encounters with God that you need. So long as you've got the right motivation, that first is the kingdom. Not even the church, but the kingdom. The sovereign rule and reign of God. Seek for, and that's not, that's not, Jesus is not saying to seek first the kingdom in your own life. But seek first. God's whole kingdom purposes. Seek first the extension of his kingdom. You see, you can't build the kingdom. Jesus said he would build the church. You can't build the kingdom. The kingdom isn't something to be built. The kingdom is only something to be extended. Because the kingdom is something that is complete in itself. Not something that is built up, but it's something that is extended so the kingdom of God can live within you because Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. 
But his purpose for you, for me, for all of his children is to see the kingdom extended so that kingdom is planted in more and more and more lives as people come out of darkness into light. What is harvest? The extending of God's kingdom. And seeing that kingdom extended in the lives of thousands of people within a short period of time. Hallelujah. I can remember as clear as anything the first time I ever led someone to the Lord. And my attitude when that happened was to say to God, thank you, Lord. I now know my life has been worth living. Why? Because someone else would be in the glory of heaven because of what God, or the way God had used me at that time. Praise God, I've seen many others come to the Lord since. But the point is that we do not live for ourselves, but we live to make Jesus known. We live to see the kingdom of God extended. We live for harvest. So, beloved, just before we pray, I want a harvest time. Anybody else want a harvest time? But it's no use having a harvest time without harvesters. So God has to prepare to have harvesters before he will send the harvest. Why aren't we seeing harvest at this moment? Because God doesn't have enough harvesters. When are we going to see harvest here in Horsham in the 25-mile radius? When God has the harvesters that are ready to gather and to process the harvest. So it's no use us getting all upset. Oh, God, send the harvest. He said, no, no, I don't, I don't tell you to pray. For me to send the harvest, I tell you to pray for harvesters. To pray to the Lord of the harvest. To send harvesters. So, are you a harvester? Huh. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's put it a little bit more gently. Are you prepared to become a harvester? Is it the desire of your heart to be a harvester? In whatever capacity God works that out in your life, because it'll be different for different people. You know, I, I used to say in those days when we saw so many coming to the Lord in the meetings, I was always, because Kingdom Faith at that time was living as a community, but I was always impressing upon people, look, I might be the front guy that's up there preaching and, 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 and seeing 
what God does as a result and all these people coming into the kingdom and so on. But actually, they're the fruit of our corporate combined life together. You know, sometimes God has a front man, but it's, he, he is just that, front man for a whole body of people, for a whole group of people. And I used to impress because, you know, we had a missionary team that would, uh, mission team that would travel everywhere with me in those days, and that was up to about 17 people according to the size of the mission that we were uh, leading. But, you know, all those that were left behind uh, in, in the community base, I said, you are just as important for the harvest because it was their prayer, it was their motivation, it was their unity with all of us that were out there, if you like, in the trenches. We, we were all part of the thing. The fruit was what God was, was giving out of the corporate life. It wasn't just the fruit of some individual preacher. Can you understand? And everybody realized that they were all part of the harvest that was happening. So it isn't that, you know, we're all going to become preachers or we're all going to become evangelists or anything like that. But we are going to be part of a body. That God, through whom God is bringing in the harvest. And I might be getting a little bit on in years now and my body keeps telling me that. But I still believe I'm going to see greater harvest in these latter years of my life than I've seen in the former years. That the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former glory. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. And praise God. Isn't it wonderful to know that in some capacity, in some way, God is making you part of a body through whom multitudes of people are going to come to know the Lord. And listen, just, just, before, just, before, we, just before we pray, let, let me encourage you something else that, that the Lord has taught me. See, He's taught me, okay, you carry within you all those that are going to get blessed through your witness, through your prayer, through your ministries, so on. That's true for every one of us. But then he says, you also carry within you all those that are going to be blessed through those who are blessed because of you. So you actually carry within you potentially a multitude of people. I mean, just say for the sake of argument for a moment that you brought 10 people to the Lord and each of those 10 people brought 10 people to the Lord and each of those then brought 10 people to the Lord. You are carrying within you hundreds, even thousands, of people because what God does is begin a kind of dynasty through you and, and this is the purpose of God you know those that are the good soil bear fruit 30, 60, 100 times what is sown think of it even 30 a 
And then those 30 each bring 30. I, I mean, my, I'm not one of these mathematicians that can work it all out in the head. But you can, you can do it with your, um, with your phone, get on the thing, 30 <laughs> times 30. And then, you know, 30. I, I mean, it, it doesn't take long. I, I know Billy Graham at one time worked out that if every born-again Christian in the world brought one person to the Lord every year, the entire population of the world would be converted within eight years. Praise God. But it doesn't happen, does it? But where there's harvest, we're going to be bringing more than one person to the Lord every year, aren't we? Come on, let's pray. Let's, let's thank God. Oh, how important you are to the Lord because of what you carry within you, what, that potential that is going to be realized in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, all those people that are going to be blessed, all those people that are going to come into the kingdom, all those that are going to be healed, all those that are going to experience miracles, all those that are going to come into the glory of God and, and meet with Him in His holiness. Oh, they're all there within you. Potentially, they're there within you. Hallelujah. God sees that. Praise the Lord. And your breakthrough is not for yourself. Your breakthrough is for all of them. It's for all of them. It's for all those that are going to come into the kingdom. It's all those that are going to be blessed. It's all those that are going to be saved. It's all those who are going to be healed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, praise him. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Oh, rataparia leto papa para zandam. Oh, papa para zandaria leto papa kalasito di sandam. Oh, papa para zandaria leto. You know, when I was the age of most of you young people, I had absolutely no idea of how God would use me or what fruit there could be in my life. You have no idea now, but the potential is there. And God's purpose is to realize that potential. So can you pray to God this morning and say, Lord, I don't want selfish ambition. I don't want any selfish ambition in my life. I don't even want selfish spiritual ambition. I want to be the man or woman of God that you want me to be so that I can be part of reaping the harvest. Hallelujah. Gathering the harvest. You might want to pray and say, Lord, I've sown much. Every time I go out in mission, I sow. But I thank you that you're bringing me into the season of reaping. Not just of sowing. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papa para sandalia leto papa kalasa.
Papapara Satabaria Leto, Papapara Sandaria Leto. Papapara Sandaria Leto, Papapacala Citri Sandi. Papaparia Leto, Papapacala Citri Sandaria Leto, Papapara Sandarama. O Papaparia Leto, Papacala Citri Sandama. O Papaparia Leto, Papacala Citri Sandama. Balandaria leto papakala sitri sandaria leno masundama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sitri sandama. Papapara sandaria leto papapakala sitri sandama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Papapara sandaria leto papapakala sitri sandaria leto papapara sandama. Basta galaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sandara masundama. Basta galaria leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sandara masundama. Papaparia leto papapara sandama. O papaparia leto papapakala sindama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sindama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala sidari sandama. O Lord, send forth laborers into the harvest. Oh, Father, 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 thank you that you are preparing us. Thank you that you are preparing us for harvest. That we'll be fishers of men. Thank you, Lord, we're going to have big nets. Hallelujah. That are going to gather many, many, many people. Praise your holy name. That we're not hook and line fishermen, hooking just one here and one there. No, Lord, you're going to give us a big net. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. The kingdom faith is going to become a combined harvester. Yes, Lord, we praise you. We praise you. Not only reaping, but processing. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Pura taparia leto papapacala sandam. Basta calaria leto papapara sandaria leto papacala sinama. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Pura taparia leto papapacala sidri sandama. Pupapapara sandaria lena masundari sandama. You know, as you, if you just picture for a moment as you're praying a combine harvester, you know, it has, it has the, the, that other tractor and, and trailer going alongside it, and, and out, out of the combine harvester, there's that flow of all the seeds that have been threshed, even in the combine harvester, just filling up. Can you see? Can you see the picture? And each one of those seeds is a person. Each one of those, seed, each one of those seeds is a person. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, Lord. We want to see the outworking of that. For the glory of your name, Lord, that you will be glorified in all those people that come out of darkness into light. You will be glorified in those that are set free from the bondage in which they are living now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Can you see the sick being healed? Can you see people getting out of wheelchairs? You know, without anybody praying for them, it would 
just speaking the word? Can you see people throwing their crutches away? Can you see the cancers just shriveling up? Oh, hallelujah. Can you see it? Can you see it with the eyes of faith? Can you see it? Can you, can you see that every Sunday there'll be more yellow cards than blue cards? Hallelujah. More Thanksgiving cards than prayer cards. Just a whole string of miracles every Sunday giving thanks to God. Not just for the odd miracle here and there, but for a string of miracles, many miracles every week. Can you see it? That's harvest. Come on, let's, 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 let's believe God for the harvest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pupapara sandaria leto, papapara sandaria lenoma. Pupapara sandaria leto, papapakala siti di sandoma. Bapaparia leto, papakala siti di sandaria leto, papapakala sinoma. Pupapara sandaria leto, papapakala siti di sandoma. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Pupapara sandaria leto, papapakala sinoma. Oh, Papa Para Sandaria Leto, Papa Kala Sitri Sandama. Oh, Papa Para Sandaria Lenama. Can you say to the Lord, Lord, I'm seeking you this week, not just for myself, but for all those that I'm carrying within me. All those that in the years ahead are going to be blessed because of what you do through me. Hallelujah. Come on, can you thank the Lord? Thank you. Thank, thank the Lord for all those people. You, you don't know them yet. You don't know anything about them yet. But thank the Lord. There's going to be many of them. There's going to be a multitude of them. Not just the odd person here and there. But God is going to make you a harvester. He's going to make you a revival person. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Satapariya leto papapara sandaria leto papapara sanduma. Bastakalaria leto papapara sanduma. Papapara sandaria leto papapakala siti di sandama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala siti di sandama. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala siti di O papapara sandaria leto papapakala. Oh, come on, you're carrying them there within you. O papapara sandaria leto papapakala siti di O papapara sandaria leto papapakala siti Oh, papa, papa, rasanda. In a sense, you're pregnant with all those people, all those people that are being, going to be given new birth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pura la basandaria leto, papa, parasanda. Oh, papa, parasandaria leto, papa, parasita di sandama. Oh, papa, parasandaria leto, papa, parasita di sandama. Oh, papa, parasandaria leto, papa, parasandama. O papa para sitri sandaria leto papa para sandama O papa para sandaria leto papa para sitri sandama O rakaparia leto papa para sandama O papa para sandaria leto papa para sandaria lenama O papa para leto papa para sandama Lord this is why we want breakthrough we want breakthrough not only lord not only that there will be a breakthrough in our personal lives but so that there will be a breakthrough in all those lives that are going to be blessed as a result. 
Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that that's going to be the breaking out. Oh, hallelujah. Harvest time. Harvest time is at hand. Look. The fields are white. Oh, the devil is the lord of darkness. He's brought darkness into the world. God says, but see with the eyes of faith. And you'll see there's a harvest there waiting to be reaped. Hallelujah. Thank him, he's making you a harvester. Hallelujah, 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 in whatever capacity. Oh, hallelujah, why? Because you serve the Lord of the harvest. God is the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send reapers into the harvest. Hallelujah. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'm not seeking you just for myself, just for my personal blessing, just for my personal breakthrough. But that you might use me for your glory to touch the lives of many others with your love, with your compassion, with your healing, with your saving grace. Hallelujah. Saratoporia leto papapara sandalia leno. Papapara sandalia leto papapakala sitri Some of you will become church planters. Some of you will see churches growing very quickly. Hallelujah, because it's harvest time. And you will wonder how on earth it could happen. How God could use you in such ways. Because in and of yourself you know your nothingness and yet the hand of God will be upon you. Enabling you to do far more abundantly than all you ask or imagine according to his power that will be at work within you. Hallelujah. See, this is going to transcend any ambitions you might have had for yourself. Any of your own plans. God's going to take you into his plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the parable of the sower, in Luke's version, Jesus only mentions the hundredfold. But he says the hundredfold are those who hold fast to the word of God with an honest and good heart. Can you hold fast to this word that God speaks to you this morning about being a laborer in the harvest? Hold on to that with an honest and good heart. We purified in hearts last night. Hold on to this word. Lord, you've called me for great fruitfulness. 
for harvest fruitfulness. My life is on the line, Lord. For you to take hold of me and use me in whatever way you choose in your harvest purposes. Hallelujah. Is that where your heart is? Am I speaking for you? Are you speaking with me? Are you praying this along with me? Is this your heart desire? Do you realize that in this room this morning, there are thousands of lost souls that are going to come into the kingdom of God? They're like the seeds that God is placing within you. And each one of them is going to come to fruition. Thousands of lives in this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Some of you might be standing here this morning saying, Lord, I didn't come here bargaining for this. I wasn't expecting this. And the Lord is saying to you, well, you might not have been expecting it, but I was. And you're here not for your purposes, but for my purposes. And I knew what I was calling you for. I knew what I was bringing you for at this time. And I knew what it was that I was going to work in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. O papara sandaria leto, o papara You excited? The prospect of what God is going to do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Papara Sandaria Leto, Papa Kalasiti Sunday. Oh, Papara Sandaria Leto, Papa Kalasiti Sandaria Leto, Papara Sandaria. Oh, Papara Leto, Papara Sadakaria Leto, Papa Kalasiti Sunday. Oh, Papara Sandaria Leto, Papa Kalasiti Sunday. Oh, Papara Sandaria Leto, Papa Kalasiti Sunday. Pastor Galadia, let Thank you, Jesus. 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 Pora tapare leto papapara sandaria lenoma. O papapara sandaria leto papapagalazina. Oh. I just, just believe the Lord is saying. Do not limit me. Do not limit me. That the only limitations that are put on your life are the limitations that you yourself put there. I am the Lord who is able to use you without limit. That's the mindset that I want you to have. 
that you don't place any limitations on the way that I will use you for my glory. Hallelujah. I want to hear some praise for God now. Come on, let's praise him. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Papara Sandaria, Leto, Papara Sandaria. Oh, Papara Sandaria, Leto, Papara Sadabaria, Leto. Oh, Papara Sandaria, Leto, Papara Sandaria. Oh, Papara Sandaria, Leto, Papa Kalasina. Thank you, Lord. Harvest time is coming. It's on hand. It's at hand. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are going to see the season change. Hallelujah. Praise your wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.